Have you ever thought, that guy needs to get saved? If you have, what was it that you were thinking? What were you saying to yourself? Saved from what? Saved to what purpose? That's what we're going to talk about today. Hello folks, I'm Joel Van Hoogen, and this is The Bread of Life, a radio ministry of the International Mission, Church Partnership Evangelism, and its associate Bible fellowship, The Bread of Life in Boise, Idaho. Our ministry has found expression in over 40 different countries. To learn more, go to traincpe.org or go to breadoflifeboise.org. Today, we consider what Jesus taught about salvation. What do we mean when speaking of being saved or when we say that Jesus is the Savior? These are questions we must answer, and the answer then must guide our mission. When the Bible employs the word salvation, it's referencing either the process of salvation, in other words, how a person comes to the place of being saved or rescued, or it is referencing the outcome, that what happens or the standing that a person gains when they've been saved or rescued. So it's either the process of being saved or it's the standing or ground you come upon when you're saved. And the Lord Jesus actually uses the word translated salvation in the New Testament only twice. He uses it once to describe this process of salvation and another time to basically identify a person who's come to that point or that ground of salvation. The first time, it's when he encounters the woman at the well in John chapter 4 and they're having a conversation together and the woman is asking some serious questions about who it is that's providing the truth they need to know about the Messiah and salvation and he tells her that salvation is of the Jews. That's the phrase, salvation is of the Jews. Here he's speaking about this process of saving people and he's basically saying that God has determined that the process of bringing salvation to people of every race, of every tongue and every tribe is a process that comes to them through the Jews. God would bring the savior to them through the Jewish race. Jesus was a Jew. He was the world's salvation. He was the world's savior. And so salvation was of the Jews. That's what he was referring to. He came through the Jewish nation. The other time that the Lord Jesus uses the word salvation is in the story that we've just read about Zacchaeus. After having gone, we understand this, after having gone and visited Zacchaeus' home and engaged in a conversation with him and brought Zacchaeus to a point in which he puts his faith and trust in Jesus alone, the Lord Jesus responds to Zacchaeus and says, today salvation has come to your house. And on this occasion, the Lord Jesus is referencing the point and using the word salvation to identify someone who has come to the outcome of being saved. They're in the standing or the ground of being saved. The verb that we use in Greek, to save or to be saved, is the Greek word sozo. And it can mean to be rescued or to rescue, to be restored or to restore, to be healed or to heal. I want you to understand it this way. We might begin to understand it to mean to be brought out of danger into the place of safety. That makes sense. To be saved, to be brought out of danger and to be brought into the place of safety. When the Philippian jailer in Acts chapter 16 is 
overseeing the prison house that Paul and Silas are in, and in the middle of the night, there's this massive earthquake that brings the jail down to ruins and to rubble, and yet everybody in the jail survives, and he discovers that Paul and Silas have survived, and they've not escaped. The Philippian jailer rushes into them, and he falls down before them, we're told, and he says to them, what must I do to be saved? Now, that's kind of interesting, because The earthquake has come and gone, and he's already survived the earthquake. But he wants safety, but it's not safety from the earthquake. He wants safety from the God who caused the earthquake. In that moment, he realizes something is exposed before him, that there is this all-powerful God who he has to be addressed before, and he's not ready to come near to that God. He's not safe before that God. He's aware of his sin. And he's aware of the drastic consequences of coming near to such a powerful God in his sins and he doesn't feel safe. He doesn't feel safe after the earthquake. And so he comes and says, what must I do to be safe, to be saved? And that's the way, I think, and the best way that we can look at this idea of being saved. When I was teaching about three years ago at a a master's degree course at a seminary in North America, I was teaching on this topic of salvation. And I was explaining to the students that they needed to make sure that they didn't have a sense of security because doctrinally in their heads they could define and understand the doctrines of salvation, but they had no heart assurance, no heart experience of having been saved or of salvation. And so I addressed some six essential experiences that everyone who has truly been saved of God would have in order to know that they've been saved. I shared with them from Matthew chapter seven, verses 21 and 22. There the Lord Jesus said that not everybody who says, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven. Verse 22, he says, actually there were many people in the judgment day who will come before me and say, Lord, Lord, and I'll say to them, depart from me, I never knew you. It's important that you don't just know the language of salvation. It's important that you just don't have an intellectual comprehension of the doctrines of salvation. You better have a heart assurance of it because you're going to be judged for these things. Anyhow, after the section or lecture, it was about an hour and a half in the course of a long series of lectures I was giving, the 20 or 30 students that were in the class left for a break, and within a few minutes, a handful of them came back and said that I had to stop lecturing them. I had to stop going on with my teaching because I was making them feel unsafe. Well, actually, if you do not have a proper and right assurance of your salvation, that's exactly how you should feel. That's how the Philippian jailer felt, unsafe. The only way to find a safety is not in a false assurance, not in just knowing these things, not in just kind of patting yourself with your own self-promoting ideas, not because you've gone to church or you've been a Christian or you've attended church your whole life. Or no, That's not it. It's having a full assurance, a hard assurance that God has brought you into safety Remember, a false assurance might end in the Lord Jesus saying, depart from me, I never knew you. So we want to talk about some of these things, and it's important we understand that. Salvation is this being rescued from peril and brought into a place of safety. Here's another thing, just by way of kind of introduction here. When we look at the word of salvation, how the Lord Jesus deployed this word sozo, we're going to discover throughout the Gospels that he uses the word not only in spiritual ways, not just referring to a spiritual safety, but he also uses this as a word addressing physical needs of people, that they're saved out of physical trials and difficulties as well. And so in Luke chapter 8, verse 48, we have the story of the Lord Jesus making his way through a crowd. A synagogue ruler by the name of Jairus has found the Lord Jesus and asked the Lord Jesus to come to his house because his daughter is very ill and near death. And the Lord Jesus begins to make his way with 
Jairus through the crowd, and as he's making his way through a crowd, a woman in the crowd who has an issue of blood, for the last 12 years she's had an issue of blood, she's not been able to stop it, and she's gone to all kinds of doctors without any help, and she comes behind the Lord Jesus, she's afraid, she's in awe of him, so she just thinks if I can touch the hem of his garment, maybe I can receive some deliverance from my condition. She reaches out and touches the Lord Jesus as they're making their way through the press of the crowd, and in that moment, she's healed. And the Lord Jesus senses power going out from him. And he stops and he says, who touched me? Everybody, who touched you? No, I, I sense power go out from me. At which point the lady steps forward. The woman steps forward and explains what her process of thinking was and why she'd come up and how it was she'd actually intentionally reached out and laid hold of the hem of his garment and that she was instantly healed. In verse 48 of Luke chapter 8, the Lord Jesus says, be of good cheer, your faith has made you well. And that phrase, those words translated, made you well, are taken from the single word, sozo. Your faith has saved you, it's made you well. After this event, a messenger comes, before they can begin making their way on through this press of the crowd onto Jairus' home, a messenger comes from Jairus' house and, it, and the messenger says, don't bother the teacher anymore, don't bother having him come to your house, Jairus, because your daughter is dead. Imagine the shock comes upon Jairus and the Lord Jesus turns to Jairus and says, don't be afraid, just believe. And she will be made well. And the word again is sozo. And the Lord Jesus goes to Jairus' home. He meets the young little girl. He dismisses the people and the mourners out of the house. He goes up to the room where the little girl is lying dead. The Lord Jesus speaks to her and says, little girl, come forth, arise. Talitha kum is the word. And the little girl wakes up out of death as if she had just been taking a nap. And he returns this little girl to her parents. That's what we have the idea of when we speak of the word salvation. Luke chapter six, we have another account of this. On this account, there's a man with a deformed and withered hand in the synagogue, and I believe he's probably been put there as a bit of a ploy because the Pharisees are looking on and the scribes are looking on to see if the Lord Jesus will heal him on the Sabbath day in order that it might bring an accusation against them, and the Lord Jesus sees all this, and the Lord Jesus is gonna heal him. But before he heals him, the Lord Jesus looks at the Pharisees and the scribes and he asks this question. He says in verses 9 and 10 of Luke chapter 6, Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or do evil? To save, sozo, to save life or to destroy it? And when he had looked around at them all, he said to the man, Stretch out your hand. And he did so, and the hand was restored, whole as all the others. These are examples of the word sozo being used to physical healing, and there are multiple examples of this. The Lord Jesus heals the leper, and then he tells the leper that his faith has made him whole, sozo. The Lord Jesus heals a blind man, and he says the exact same phrase, your faith has made you well, it has saved you, it has sozoed you. This phrase is employed more than once by Christ. In all these applications, the Lord is applying this word save to a physical restoration that brought also a tremendous emotional release and restoration of those that he restored and those that he touched. Here's the first point I want to make to you. First point I want to make to you about what the Lord Jesus taught about salvation is he taught that salvation was the negating of sin's detrimental impact upon a person's life. Salvation was the negating of sin's detrimental impact on a person's life. That's not a new thought with me. If you read G. Campbell Morgan's What Jesus Taught, this is basically what he identifies as the heart of Jesus' message on salvation. I think it's quite wonderful. In all those physical examples that I just gave you, we see the Lord Jesus deploying this word to save 
as a means of reversing the destruction that had come upon these individuals' life through some physical malady. And in the reversing of it, he restores them to the purpose of their life to wholeness. There is in our lives something that comes upon us that derails our life from its purpose and from God's created intent. There's something that comes upon us that brings destruction upon our lives, that distorts and deforms our lives, that defiles our lives and draws our lives even down into death. And we know what it is. It's sin. It has this ongoing effect on our lives to bring destruction to us. And it is the negating of sin and the sin's impact on our life and the reversing of sin's impact on our life that is salvation. And so salvation is the thing that reestablishes purpose in our life. It's the thing that delivers us from destruction. It's the thing that straightens us from crookedness and deformity in our life. It's the thing that cleanses us from defilement and raises us from the death. This word that the Lord Jesus employs to talk about being physically delivered, the Lord Jesus employs also to talk about being spiritually delivered. In fact, I'm going to share with you two more examples from Luke. Just two examples that are given. It's actually all that we find in the book of Luke where he uses the word save in its broadest, deepest spiritual sense. And one account is found in Luke chapter 7. And you can take your Bibles there for a moment. The other one is the passage you read in Luke chapter 19. And here we see him deploying this idea of salvation or being saved in this broad sense of touching the deep spiritual needs in our life, of going beyond simply restoring us from the impact of sin that's come upon our world and brought destruction upon our lives and physically impacting our lives and our world. But now, how it is that sin impacts us spiritually? In Luke chapter 7, we have the story of the Lord Jesus. Well, thank you for listening to the Ministry of the Bread of Life. To learn more about our ministry, let me suggest you go to one of two websites. First, go to traincpe.org, traincpe.org, to learn more about the work we're doing all over the world to equip and engage the body of Christ in personal evangelism, discipleship, and church planting. Or to learn about our work in your community, go to breadoflifeboise.org. Until the next time, God bless you.